Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. Thank you so much, Jenny, and welcome back, everyone, to another week of Do Less Bad, a new way to do more good. I'm Jason Anthoin. I run a firm called Audacity. We help companies with internal communications, employee engagement, and change management. My co-host, as always, Madeline Temple. Madeline, welcome. Thanks, Jason. I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. In my day job, I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. You can find out more at thecollectiveidentity.com. Fantastic. So this week, we're talking about culture. And it's a combination of things we've seen, things that we see other people doing, and what it makes, what does it take to make a culture special, different, unique? What are the implications for it, especially when people don't see each other anymore, at least in person necessarily? Although, of course, if you're in retail, some of you definitely see each other every single day. But what happens to your culture when that happens? How do you maintain it? How do you honor it? And who knows, maybe some of the things we're going to be talking about today will give you some ideas to help you tweak your company culture, if in fact it needs any tweaking. Great. So um, we've kind of broken this down into three sections today. So the first section is normal culture things. Second section being a little bit more about pandemic culture things. And then the third section is kind of like what I like to call cats and dogs, the interesting culture things um, that are just great examples of, of some very specific things um, that different companies are doing. Oh, really? Because I thought it was more like Throwback Monday. Throwback you know, Monday? Back, back in the pre-COVID days when culture was something you could actually feel. That's right. You could walk around and you could actually feel it and see it and smell it. Uh, and so it's a little bit different now. So what are people doing to adjust as a result of all those things? So let's talk about that a little bit. So in the first section that we call normal culture things, um, there's kind of three th- important points, I think, around culture. Uh, First of all is that, to me, brand equals experience squared. So your brand is equal to your customer experience and your employee experience. So the combination of those two are truly what make up your brand. And so on the outside of the organization, your customers see your external brand. But on the inside of your organization, your employees see your internal brand. And it's the same is true of that brand when you think about externally and how your customers really own your brand. It's absolutely true on the inside as well. Your employees really are the ones who own your culture in the same way that your customers own your brand. And so it's important to make sure that your culture and your external brand are integrated. I know we talked about that uh, on previous episodes, um, but they really ought to be mirror images of each other so that when you're thinking about culture and driving uh, the culture that you want uh, inside your organization is really about informing, involving, and inspiring your employees and helping them really think and feel and do and say all the right things. So one example, um, I'm working with a client right now that's actually a railroad here in the U.S. Um, They have about 20,000 employees 
And as you can imagine, the vast majority of those are out running a railroad all day long. And so how do we reach those employees so that they are helping um, to really define who we are as an organization and are driving both that internal culture uh, and that external brand? And one of the ways they're doing that is through a mobile app. And so a lot of companies are deploying apps for employees uh, to keep them informed, involved, and inspired. That's not anything new. But what is interesting to me is that you know, they launched this app back in June, and when we look at the content that really performs the best uh, on the app, the types of things that employees are really reading and responding to and sharing and liking, that content is about performance, financial performance, and goals and objectives, um, all about the operations and safety and, and customer service and quality outcomes. And then, of course, you know, mission, vision, values, and purpose. And it's been interesting to me to see how all of those employees across the organization, but especially those who are out uh, on the trains uh, and in the rail yards all day long, are really, you know, digging into this content that a lot of organizations feel like, oh, it's a little too serious, or it may be a little too numbers heavy for folks. But what we're seeing is that they're really excited about that, and they want to know more about how the company is doing and how uh, everyone is performing against whatever those key performance metrics are. And that brings up this second point to me, which is about alignment. And so in that railroad example, people are really digging into that uh, financial performance and operational uh, content, and it's because they want to be aligned with what's going on in the organization. And in my mind, alignment is much more important uh, than engagement. You want to make sure everyone is going in the right direction and you're achieving that alignment. And the reason I think that is, I, I, I think engagement is kind of a fickle lover. Uh, it varies minute by minute. Uh, it can be pursued over time, certainly. But measuring it is quite difficult, and most current surveys uh, that measure employee engagement really can't or don't um, really get to the heart of what engagement can mean. It really feels more like a check-the-box exercise that the organization is conducting, because personally, I can say that I'm highly engaged, but it's probably because I have a mortgage or uh, a son who's about to go to college and I really want to make sure that I keep this job. And so my engagement scores are high, not necessarily because I care about the organization or I'm really aligned with the purpose of the organization, but because I want to make sure that my compensation is protected. And so because of that, I've always felt like the engagement score while a great indicator isn't the best indicator, the alignment score, I think, is a little more critical. And here's an example around that. So I, I had a client before who's a, a chocolate manufacturer here uh, in North America, and they decided as a senior leadership team that they wanted to be number one in chocolate. And so in North America. And so they came out and said, ta-da, hey, employees, we're going to be number one in chocolate. And the employees just stood there with their arms folded and shook their heads and said, no, we have no desire to be number one in chocolate. We would rather be known as the best. We would rather be known as the company that makes the best chocolate, not necessarily the company that sells the most chocolate. Because in their minds, 
There was a misalignment between what they were doing all day long, which was quality and safety and on-time delivery and all the things that were important. And they felt like all of those things were going to be sacrificed in this push to try and be number one uh, in sales in chocolate. And so their pushback was, while that's a great goal, we would much rather be known as the people who make the best chocolate. And so the idea there was, you know, how do we maintain that alignment and keep that engagement high because of alignment and not necessarily because of, you know, what some sort of survey score indicates. And so when we think about those normal culture things, you know, brand equals experience squared, informing and involving and inspiring your employees around the alignment that they need to understand between what they do every single day and what the organization is trying to accomplish. And I think those um, those really on a normal day and even on an abnormal day like we're experiencing now, I think it's those things that really contribute the most to culture. When it comes to the alignment and engagement, have you found any of the companies you're working with currently or near past are they using things like short form video or even gamification to get that alignment, to get people going for one goal? Have you seen anything like that? Oh, tons, tons, especially short form video. You know, long gone are the days when you would spend seventy, eighty, ninety thousand dollars on a corporate video that was five, seven minutes long. Um, I don't know that those things were ever really effective to begin with because they looked exactly like they looked, which is some senior leader sitting there reading off of a transcript of what it is that they want you to hear. There's no energy. There's no excitement. And it really, you know, that's not a reflection of reality. And so employees these days, they're all on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, and there's tons of video that they're consuming and creating themselves. And so the more that that content looks and feels like what they're already doing all day long... Uh, the higher engagement it gets. And so people are being really successful uh, using video as well as gamification. You know, what are different ways we can, you know, challenge uh, one region uh, against another region or one set of stores or locations against another set? Just a little friendly competition uh, to help people understand more about why those numbers matter and how, how, uh, how interesting it can be to, you know, kind of pursue those and, and keep everybody aligned. Speaking about short-form video, I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing companies make short-form video explaining how we're going from work from home to work from office, work from office to work from home, work from home to work from office to work from home to work from car. What do you see going on with pandemic culture today? Oh, gosh, so many different things. You know, it's uh, I read a study long before the pandemic happened back in, I guess, January or February, which feels like forever. And the study said, hey, it's going to take about three years for most industries and certainly most individual companies to transition to working from home. And then lo and behold, most organizations globally were able to do that in about 30 days. Um, it's amazing uh, what you can do when you have to do it. And so this whole idea of working from the office and then moving to working from home leads to now that you're able to, to work from home, truly you can work from anywhere and you can work from anywhere, that means you can work for anyone. So it's going to be important that your culture remains strong and that you're not using these high-tech tools just to connect people digitally, but you're using those as a way to deliver high-touch connections uh, over these platforms because it's that high-touch that really you know, breeds the alignment and uh, the engagement uh, that organizations are looking for. And the other thing I've seen is that now is a perfect time to 
you know, kind of relook at mission, vision, and values. In fact, I've got one client uh, who just this week uh, is introducing new mission and vision, new strategic priorities, uh, and new essential behaviors that are all designed to help get them through the remainder uh, of this uh, fiscal year and then uh, start off strong uh, the beginning of, of the next calendar year. And they took this time right now um, to just sort of rethink those things uh, and did a ton of uh, internal survey work with their employees um, to help understand what it is they want and what they are looking for and combining those things to drive this new mission and vision as well as strategic priorities and essential behaviors. Does that mean then that these are short-term as in one to two years or is this the absolute new direction of the company until let's say 2032? I think in this particular example, um, th- these are long-term um, um, priorities uh, and mission and vision and behaviors that they've put in place because that tends to be what organizations don't do really well, which is decide something and then stick with it long enough to to show that it's going to make a difference. I think they all have very short memories and they say, ta-da, we're going to do this. And then six months later, they do something else. I know we covered a lot of that uh, one or two episodes ago um, about, you know, how disjointed uh, employees can feel when you're constantly changing those priorities like that. That's That would be my only concern is if you change your mission and vision now, which is a fine thing to do in terms of alignment, or you find that a value you had really doesn't work in this new world and this new world is what you're going to be doing moving forward and then I'm all for it but if it's a short-term solution to get you through this bump however long this bump may be my concern would be that case of whiplash that you you know wait wait who are we today what are we doing what's our goal yeah I think you're right that feels more operational I think yes touching mission vision and values feels more you know surgical and needs a little bit more of a deliberate approach uh, versus, you know, sort of quick changes uh, based on how things um, are going one week to the next. Um, so uh, that's an important point. I really like that. And what do you see happening in return to office? There's a lot of things happening in return to office. A, some people aren't returning and probably won't, at least uh, through the middle to the end of next year. Uh, some people are returning uh, to office. Um, and they are being very deliberate about that. So there's split shifts. Um, they've put, you know, glass or plexiglass uh, dividers between uh, workspaces. Um, they've got on-site uh, medical testing. Um, and then there's a lot of coordination and cooperation with other tenants in the building about what time is this office going to leave and use the elevator? What, you know, how are people going to park? Where are we going to, you know, how are we going to distribute uh, different ways to visit the facilities and the cafeteria and things like that that are shared? Um, and so uh, tons of organizations are really wrestling with how to manage all those things right. And then they bring them back and then they have to go back home again and they bring them back. And it's just a constant shift, which is frustrating, but just, you know, kind of a sign of the times now. It is. And I think this whole return to office and how people are going to be working to me, it's, it's fascinating to watch it unroll and unveil, especially as we see pandemic numbers going up and down and up and down. Are we in a lockdown? Are we in a semi-lockdown? And what happens to people when suddenly you say to them, COVID numbers may be going up and we're not going to come in at the office right yet. Maybe next month, maybe in two months time. 
Right. Well, that's something we've certainly seen uh, this week. You know, the UK has gone back into a second lockdown. Um, and for uh, one company in particular, that's an opportunity to kind of, A, show some employee pride, and B, um, you know, be a, a voice for the whole industry. So Burger King uh, in the UK just uh, today uh, is on their all their social channels encouraging folks to visit McDonald's. Let me say that again. Burger King is encouraging people <laughs> to visit McDonald's, not just McDonald's, but KFC and Domino's and Pizza Hut and Five Guys and Taco Bell and everybody else. Wait a minute. Are you telling me they're finally acknowledging that McDonald's has the best fries? Is that what this is about? I don't know if they're acknowledging that, although I think globally the world acknowledges that. (laughs) Uh, But I think what they're acknowledging is, is, hey, you know, yes, day to day we're competitors. And of course, we'd prefer it that you come to us uh, versus going somewhere else. But if we're all going to be in lockdown and we need people to to help all of our organizations and all of the companies in our industry be successful and keep our jobs and, um, you know, keep the economy moving, then I think they've taken a really bold stance by saying, hey, we'd love you to visit us, but visit any of these people, you know, order from them. Um do what you can to, you know, drive sales at all of these organizations, including our own. I thought that was a, a, an unusual thing uh, for them to do, but certainly a pride point for employees, you know. Day to day, they're duking it out with these competitors, but, you know, they've really sort of risen above that and said, hey, it's not just about us, it's about all of us. So what can we do collectively as an industry to help each other? Talking about interesting things you can do, that brings us toward our third topic today, which is about culture. And the interesting things we're saying that certainly was from a pre-COVID-19 standpoint of things that made a company stand out. But how do you keep those things alive? How do you keep those traits alive? And what can you do to perhaps tweak them so that they still work in an area, in an environment where people are working from home now? One of the things that jumped out at me, and this was from a friend. So she used to work with Innocent Drinks in the UK. What she said about Innocent, she all put the caveat on, this was before Coca-Cola bought them. So she doesn't know if these things are still in place. But we're going to make the bold assumption that they are. One of the things that I loved about Innocent is that everyone has to take a turn working at the reception desk. Doesn't matter what your day job is. They all do their normal job, but then they greet visitors, deal with deliveries. Everyone takes a turn doing that. And you go, but how do you do that when you're no longer physically in an office? And of course, the way you do it is you work customer service. You you dial in on a line and you handle the customer service calls. And that is a fabulous way, as we were talking earlier about Experience Square, employees and customers. And now you're really going to understand what the customers are experiencing. That's great. I love that example. So I thought that was a really fun way to to keep something that you have and just kind of tweak it a little bit. In the same way, they used to have, when you would come in, visitors would come in, they would have a space, a label for you, and you would put your first name, and then they would ask you to put a random fact about you. So it could be what time you woke up, it could be your favorite fruit, what you did last night. And I thought, okay, well, maybe the way you treat, you tweak, you tweak that, not even tweet it, but you can if you want. The way you tweak it is when you have your next Zoom call, Obviously, if you're in an environment where everybody knows each other, you don't have to introduce yourself. 
but you can do that factoid of what did you do last night or what was a new food you tried or a new recipe just as a way to kind of humanize your meetings. Yeah, that's great. You know, there's so many different things you can do that are engaging that kind of fall in that employee experience uh, category that don't really touch, you know, mission, vision, values, but, you know, really add up to helping to drive that culture. And one of them that I think can absolutely still happen, it's what we see with Amazon and Jeff Bezos, his two-pizza rule, which is that no meeting should be so large that two pizzas can't feed the whole group. That still holds, right? And if you really want to do it with pizza, you just have pizza delivered to everybody, but, you know, maybe they just got a slice. Okay, probably can't deliver that, but it holds true, right? And again, it goes back to, can people be heard? Can they be seen and heard? And how do you manage that meaning so it, it doesn't become unruly, disruptive, or people just check out? Yeah, that, that brings to mind this uh, example of a friend of mine who has an agency, uh, ad agency in New York City. And the same thing, you know, they were having meetings on a regular basis. And after a while, they just got to be longer and longer and longer. And people were just sitting in on meetings, sitting in on meetings um, in a conference room back when you could meet in a conference room. And so people complained about it, but nobody ever really did anything about it. And so what he did was like, all right, I'm going to fix this right now. So he went out, uh, got all of the chairs uh, reconfigured in the conference room so that the longer you sat in the chair, the hotter the chair got. The temperature went up, <laughs> up, up, up the longer you sat in the meeting to encourage you to hurry up and get done with your meeting. Oh, that's <laughs> fabulous. It was going to get too hot and much too uncomfortable for you. So I <laughs> thought that was a great example. That is great. What do you see happening today? What do you know? I think we're voting tomorrow. Um, I, I've heard a rumor about that. There seems to be a, a lot of communication going on about that uh, right now. I just can't watch two seconds worth of uh, local news without getting hit with about 40 different ads. But there are a lot of companies who are taking this opportunity to give their employees here in the U.S. plenty of time off to vote. So uh, companies like Away, J. Crew, Patagonia, uh, White Castle, uh, some are completely closed all day long. Some are closed um, some or most of the day. Uh, even Ben and Jerry's are closing all of their U.S. operations, both their retail stores and headquarters in manufacturing for the entire day, not anything they've done in uh, over 42 years, to give people time uh, to vote um, and to go out uh, and exercise that right. And so, you know, that's a pride point as well. I work for a place that cares, that uh, wants me to do my civic duty, isn't telling me which way to vote at all, but giving me the time to go out uh, and do uh, exactly you know what I'm passionate about doing, which is sharing my voice about the future of this country. The last example we'll talk about came from a friend of mine who worked at a company called Sure Payroll. It is now owned by Paychecks. So again, this was his experience when he worked there. They gave awards for best new mistake to encourage people to try new things without fear of repercussion. There were only three things they asked people to follow. The rules were one, it had to be legal. Two, it had to service customers. And three, it couldn't make the company look bad if somehow they were on the front page of the paper for it. But other than that, go and make a wholehearted effort. And if it turned out it didn't work, hey, you tried, but you weren't punished for it. And that certainly still holds when you're working in a pandemic or any kind of environment. 
I love that. You know, this idea of falling forward, yes. um, you know, talking about a risk that you took or some new idea. You know, not all of those are going to succeed. That doesn't mean you want to, you know, quash that same behavior just because the idea didn't succeed. It's the idea of, of taking a risk that I think is important. All right. So why don't we look at... Uh, you know, what our top three is going to be from this episode. Each week we compile the top three things um, that we've talked about um, and we list those on dolessbad.com. So here's what uh, we think might be the top three things for you to focus on this week. Number one, inform, involve, and inspire your employees. So the more you can let your employees know what's going on, how they can help, spotlight them when they do, more likely that they'll only not only be aligned with your goals, but enthusiastic and engaged about accomplishing them. Fantastic. Uh, number two, you've got a culture whether you define it or not. So you might as well shape it into what it is that you all want. You know, culture is much more than just putting your mission, vision, and values on the internet or up on the walls in the office. Uh, your culture is the sum total collection of everything that all employees in your organizations think, feel, do, and say every single day. So intentionally craft it so that it's both aspirational and inspirational. And then I think the third, third thing is, well, why don't you go ahead, Madeline? <laughs> Are we going to oh. fight over All right. We are, but I'm going to win. You Here win. we go. I'm just going to be bold. And the boldness is that companies think they own their own brands. They don't. Their customers do. But companies also think that they own their own cultures, and they don't. Their employees do. The more you let your customers experience and shape your brand, the more likely they are to create an emotional connection with it. And the same is true of your employees. So give them the chance to both experience it and define the experience of it, and you'll be amazed how deep their connections with it and with you will become. Fantastic. I love that. I think that's a nice top three. I thought I did a great job with that one, don't you? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, why don't you wrap us up? That, what do you know, wraps up this week's podcast. Thank you for joining us. And I know that all of you are going to be shocked to hear this, but this is the last of our weekly episodes. We'll be recording and releasing a new podcast every two weeks from now on. So our next one will be on November 16th, and we know you will be chomping at the bit to join and to hear that one. Uh, exactly. I'm looking forward to having a one-week break between these. That'll be really nice. We set out a goal to do 10, uh, one a week uh, for 10 weeks. Uh, check mark. we did it. And now we get to go enjoy our hard-earned hard and won episodes. There you go. That's exactly right. So that wraps up uh, this week's episode. Uh, thanks for listening, and certainly for all the comments and suggestions that you send in, uh, particularly around episode ideas. Keep them coming through social and email and smoke signals and any other way uh, that you want to contact us. Of course, you can head over to dolessbad.com. Um, leave your comments there and you can also find uh, these top three for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes. What about what about this next episode, Madeline? What is that? Uh, what do you think it's going to feel like? I think it's going to be a who knows. It'll definitely be a post-election. It's coming November 16th. So let's see all the ways that we can do less bad in whatever world we find ourselves in. So let's not box ourselves in. Let's just play it and see what starts creeping.
creeping up and popping up and marinating and all the headlines that I promise you will be attention grabbing. Exactly. What if whatever world we find ourselves in, that's but exactly. You and I will still be there. <laughs> we'll be there in that world. We're in whatever the constants. Exactly. <laughs> We're the constants of do less bad. That's right. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. Jenny, why don't you take us out? You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad. <laughs>